Someone to hold you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Someone to sit in your chair, to ruin your sleep. That's true, but there's more than that. Is that all you think there is to it? You have so many reasons for not being with someone, Robert, but you have one good reason for being alone. Come on, run to something. Bobby, run to something. Someone to need you too much. Someone to know you too well. Someone to pull you up short, to put you through hell. You see what you look for, you know? You're not a kid anymore, Robbie. I don't think I'll ever be a kid again, kiddo. Being alive. Being alive. Being alive. Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. We did it, everybody. Yes, today is December 9th, if you're listening on the day that it is being released. And today is a major milestone for our podcast. It is our one year anniversary. So, right off the top, I just want to thank everyone out there who listens to this show, who's been a guest on this show, basically anyone who has supported this show in any way since its inception last year. Thank you so much for for hanging with us and supporting us throughout the year. And and it's been a great year with increased listenership and great conversations and, of course, some great movies along the way as well and even some terrible ones, but it's always been fun. So thank you all so much for being with us today and any other day uh, and listening to this pod. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, for the movie, because uh, that's why you're all here, we did something a little different. Uh, I was asked to be a guest on another podcast, Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Very great uh, movie podcast that covers everything about the the awards race and anything movies throughout the year, every single week, multiple times a week. It's an incredible podcast. Uh, and they asked me to be on to cover Marriage Story, which, of course, is a Netflix original movie, uh, something that I've been looking forward to. It's the new Noah Baumbach film that is getting a lot of Oscar buzz and critical praise from coast to coast. So what we decided to do was simulcast our conversation about the film on both podcasts using the Mike, Mike, and Oscar format. So you will get a full breakdown of the movie, like always, except it will start with our expectations a non-spoiler review section, a no-holds-barred spoiler section, and then wrap it up with grades and awards talk. So like I said, it's a little bit different, but a whole lot of fun, and of course it's filled with everything you want to know about the film, its cast and crew, and maybe too much about the past and current relationships for myself and my co-host for the episode, also Mike, who has been on this podcast now multiple times, from the laundromat episode where he started or the Bong Joon-ho Okja episode that we did just recently. He's a great guest, always filled with great information. Be sure to check out Also Mike and his normal co-host, Mike One, on Mike, Mike, and Oscar, wherever you get podcasts, and follow them on Twitter at 
M-M and Oscar. All right, so here we go. Thanks again for listening to this episode and any episode over our last year. And I hope you stay with us in the future and be sure to tell a friend so we can keep this thing going until we all end up casualties of the streaming wars anyway. Here it is, Mike, Mike, and Oscar and the Nomcast collabo, baby, for Marriage Story. Thanks for listening. So let's talk expectations okay. kind of to start. I've been talking to married people from time to time. I'm very <laughs> single myself, yeah, yeah. but you are married. I am one, yeah. And the sense that I do get, whether it's reading you know, context clues or looking at my brother's face right. and his yeah. wife not sharing <laughs> a glance with him. The sunken, sullen face. <laughs> you know, the, the sense I get is that they're like hesitant to really embrace this movie. They're not mm. excited about it. Married people are not necessarily, you know, rushing to click this right. on Netflix. So what did you, f- I mean, you're covering these movies. Sure, it's a little different. But were you like a little afraid of this? I would say that any movie that gets it's this detailed into a crumbling marriage you would be lying to yourself <laughs> to be like oh if i if i associate with it like if i see myself mm-hmm. in adam driver or i see myself in some of the arguments that are happening i'm like is my marriage in trouble oh no but i felt when i was thank god knock on wood or pray to fucking allah <laughs> whatever you want to do uh this movie did not resonate with me saying like I didn't feel like I oh, was wow. represented fully. Like there were definitely a lot of things that I'm like, that's what marriage is like. Right. But at the, at the, the crumbling and certain aspects of, it, I was like, thank fucking Christ. I'm a good listener. And like, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, just uh, certain things that I'm like, all right, I don't feel like my marriage is in trouble. All right, now if you would, please bring your wife down here. Yeah. And we'll take the answer from it. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> no, uh, but did you watch it with your with the missus? No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, but that speaks to marriage, right? Because like I'm usually down here in mm-hmm. a dark basement watching Netflix, <laughs> and she's tired from actually, you know, doing real things. And and uh, you know, after the kids go to bed, she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna watch an iPad and go to sleep herself." So. That's, you know, that's marriage. It's kind of the the sliding doors, mm-hmm. kind of like, yep, I'm here. Yeah, or you're here. Okay, fine. And then uh, kind of, you know, collaborate more on the weekends okay. or when you're not exhausted. So the third test yes. to open this episode, uh, if this wasn't a Netflix original movie, yeah. would you have gone to the theaters to see it? I mean, all the buzz, everything else yeah. standing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I'm... I'm um, I've watched several of Noah Baumbach's movies. I would say, uh, just for spoiling anything going forward, I'm not the biggest Baumbach fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the one thing that he constantly kind of brings about in his movies, or at least the ones I've watched, uh, you know, he definitely talks about divorce and crumbling relationships yeah. a lot. That's kind of his mo for a decent amount of his movies. And I would think if people are hailing this one as kind of being the best mm. version of what he does, which he's done multiple times, then you kind of have to pique the interest, right? You have to kind of play into that. And then obviously, same thing with Adam Driver, who's having a fucking hell of a year. Excuse me. I know you don't uh, usually probably swear on your podcast, but uh, he's having a great year. And 
absolutely you want to see what people are hailing as the best of in terms of those because he's got four huge movies this year. It's the year of Adam Driver, it no is. question. And which, he's which the biggest movies yet to come year out. They thought it was yeah. the year of Adam Driver. He's on a roll. <laughs> the dude is, you know, earning those brownie points that do cross over in terms of Oscar races. Definitely crosses over with the SAG. We talk about that right. uh, year after year. I do, I do want to guess which Bombback movies you've seen though, because okay. I kind of have a love hate relationship with Bombback movies. Okay, and the ones that are still good. By the way, all fair. <laughs> the, the ones that are still good, I kind of, yeah. I hate them too. Yeah, and sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Meyerowitz stories is fun to me. Yes. Did, have you seen the Meyerowitz stories? Yes, I have. And you did you like? Is that I one of the few you like? It's okay. probably uh, my favorite one. To this day, I'll, I will say before you kind of go into the rest, mm-hmm. I think he's only getting better and better. I totally agree. I love yeah. the Meyerowitz stories, but I hated some of it, which is, it has that effect on you. There's well, some hateful scenes. Those are scenes. some, you know, some of the characters that yeah. are going to gnaw at you, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're just kind of grading people. Yeah. So I can understand both ways, but I think where he goes with that, and oh, we'll get into it, but his use of realistic dialogue mm-hmm. is unbelievable. There's a whole YouTube uh, video that kind of has a compilation of just Noah Baumbach's uh, ability to have realistic dialogue, and it's incredible. It's realistic, and yet it's still like oblique, and it's still packed with subtext, and yeah. it's still you know paying off something that was set up, set up yeah. a few scenes previously. Yeah. I am amazed at the symmetry of his screenplays, and I think... Screen- yeah screenwriters got to be going nuts over him in terms of that branch he's gonna get a nod in my in my opinion but i expected that squid and the whale is a little less that did did you see squid the squid yes and the whale? i have and that's and probably one of those fucking terrifying isn't it isn't it the worst <laughs> oh, God, I but it's, the, I'm it's so good sorry. but yeah. it's, you can swear I don't yeah know. no we're cool we mike is a pirate yeah essentially he's a pirate <laughs> hooker yeah yeah and uh i am not uh, yeah. uh i am not uh, a quaker myself right no, yeah. you're cool you're, you're you're in safe waters there yeah too many metaphors no, this is I feel like, and I've heard this in other places, so it's not a completely original thought for myself, but I definitely think it's true. Squid and the Whale, because you can kind of conflate the two Mm -hmm. between this movie and that. And you can definitely see between back then what he was doing, who he was associated with. The movie's uh, Squid and the Whale is produced by Wes Anderson. This is his Wes Mm -hmm. Anderson period. And you can definitely tell in terms of how it's structured. You can tell in the s- certain snappiness of the dialogue. I basically just called it sad, disgusting <laughs> Royal Tannenbaums is what <laughs> is what Squid and the Whale is right. to me. And because especially with, uh, and, and it has like even like dips of, you ever seen the movie Happiness? Yes. Like that kind of just, mm-hmm. and Welcome Too to real. the Dollhouse, like that fucking disgusting destructive uh just mm-hmm. worst of humanity uh this is the intellectual version of right. that and because you're seeing you're seeing cheating you're seeing uh you know a small child you know spreading his seed amongst yeah, i his, called uh, the movie jizz hands yeah that's yeah. what i called yes. the movie but i'm a, a disgusting man yeah but it, i that's a spoiler as well but yes. it's fine maybe if you if you're going I to see the squid in the whale yeah 15 year old movie now you gotta be ready for that i, th- I wish i was ready for that i'm helping oh no, no no yes okay yeah yeah 
So I, I wanted to ask Same you. Same thing with happiness, by the way. I almost right. start with the end and go, if you can handle that, you can handle the rest of the movie. Like, I don't want to see movies about pooping and things that are no. too real and that no. are nitty gritty. I want to see movies about elevated stuff more more often than not. But he Usually. does get down and dirty. Yeah. He, and he's not afraid to. No. So what do you think uh, the profile of this movie is going to do for Netflix overall? I would say... Which, by the way, just to finish my thought from before, because I didn't, but uh, Squid and the Whale is almost like the immature version of this movie, too. Okay. Where that one's told from the perspective, more or less, of Jesse Eisenberg, Mm -hmm. which I think is the eyes of what Bombeck was then. And this movie is told through more Adam Driver, which I think is what where Noah Baumbach is now. Right. And Squid and the Whale, I would expect to be like a Netflix property two years ago. Like, that's yeah. how oh, Netflix yeah. has raised its game. Like, they'll get a screenplay nod or, they'll, yeah. you know, they've been building up they uh, their portfolio of Oscar films. Right. And now you get this, uh, this is going to contend in every single category yeah. just about. I mean, it's it's got to really raise their game. And I'm wondering, like, with next year's slate of David Fincher and D. Rees, right. are we seeing this again? again next year with netflix what do you think it's going to do overall for netflix i think it's not going to do that much i honestly uh i i think it's going to get a lot of nominations it's going to get a lot of attention Mm -hmm. but in the same way i didn't live during the era of kramer versus kramer but it was one of those movies that constantly is referenced but nobody wants to talk about which i think speaks to how little divorce movies we have right and Bombax made half of them, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that in a year where people are going to constantly be talking about the Irishman, people are going to go for the fun aspect and the rewatchability of a Dolomite is my name. Mm. And from what I understand, the two popes is incredibly kind of popcorny fun in a way, too, for something that seems like it shouldn't <laughs> when you're talking about literally two popes. Uh but this movie kind of will probably be the prestige, raise your profile in the in the Academy version, in the Oscar talk version, but then might get slightly eaten up over the years, I would think. It's not one of those movies that I'm going to go, oh, well, I need to keep my Netflix subscription because Marriage Story is there. I think more people would say that about The Irishman. Mm-hmm. versus this even for being three and a half hours it has a certain level of rewatchability that this movie i think for how even for how much humor's in this and everything else to relive this experience is not everyone's first go-to i think you know we'll get there but i think it does have some rewatchability but at the same time this definitely feels like a lot of other oscar movies to where it's like ah that was perfect I don't know if I want to go through that again. And I said that after watching it once, and then I rewatched it twice today. Yeah. It does have some goods delivered. Like, in terms of vegetable movies, and this is yes. what Mike and I call them, like, it's, it's, they're good for you, they're good for the soul, they're good for your diet. Yes. But they're vegetables. They don't fucking taste good. Right. They're tough to swallow. They're yeah. tough to get through. And especially if you have to get through a lot of it. Are we having this conversation as two people who are watching movies or two people who are on a strict diet right I'm now? I'm still on a okay. diet. I'm struggling through Thanksgiving. I'm making a lot of food metaphors. You know me too well. Yeah. And we've been collaborating too much. Yes. But you're, you're, you're right. I, I, I'm making this analogy here because I need more calories in my life. <laughs> yes. 
anyway, where was I? I think uh, I think this movie has a lot of fun to it. Though I mean, think about the way there it is. starts. I mean, there's bookends we'll get into and spoilers, but there's there's a lot of comedy in this movie and musical. There's aspects. there's musical goods delivered. There's a couple songs being sung, as everybody knows from the trailers and. Yeah. You know, in terms of production values, I mean, there are some money shots. My, my goodness, some beautiful cinematography. Unbelievable cinematography. So there's a lot of, you know, bacon on the vegetables, I yes. would say. Yeah. See, so they're bacon-covered vegetables, yeah. and I, I, I love bacon, and it's you love bacon. It's the broccoli rob versus uh, the standard fare. They're both beautiful, as the girl says in the beginning. You're so attractive. I mean, yes. they're beautiful people. Who doesn't yeah. want to watch Scarlett Johansson for True. two hours, even though Mike won? He's on the record. He doesn't like her haircut like Adam Driver. No, no one does, but it's clear. <laughs> I don't care. I, I think I it'd would... be distracting right. if she was kind of like dolled up plus we'll uh, and obviously we'll get it in the research but mm-hmm. she kind of puts that jennifer jason lee haircut on there a little bit so <laughs> that's true no they they can divorce me anytime uh, let me just say <laughs> i'm a red-blooded man yeah impure thoughts i'm gonna uh, divorce myself from this conversation because <laughs> you could get in trouble unlike yeah. me you have no accountability but this is based on the real life of noah Baumbach and yeah. jennifer jason lee she really does have a show business mother who is an actress and screenwriter she really does right. have a sister who is an actress as well uh, i was tempted to do a lot more research i kind of wanted to stay away from that but right he does make some obvious changes to his real life where right. this is a theater director this is a more you know artistic kind of guy whereas he's a movie man and right. he's always been a, a film director but i i do wonder i mean how real do you think this is how crafted what did you think of the composition of the script i would say um even though that that he makes the conscious choice to go from making it instead of like a movie director to being a theater director. Mm -hmm. The thing about Bombback is that he's very tethered to New York stories. Right. So he might as well be a theater director (laughs) uh, because he's, you know, he's tied down there. Like if, if he had to move to LA, it would probably change. He would probably have as big of an attack (laughs) as Adam driver has to go through as Charlie has to go through. So, you know, obviously that's a little bit different, but I, I definitely think that it's close to the story because I've seen enough uh, interviews and research uh, in this that Bombach has been on record that Jennifer Jason Lee has seen the movie and that she enjoys it. So the fact that A, he had to address that and B, that he had an answer for it mm. um, shows you a lot. And I think that uh, this is going to be that, that might end up being more the story for this, which I hope it doesn't. I hope it, this movie just gets to impress people on 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 its merits. On its merits, yeah. Wouldn't it be something if Jennifer Jason Lee directed a companion piece to this? And it was like divorce story or something, yeah. and she just shit, shits I, on him. I did see that. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> just a thought. Hey, yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, you're super talented. Daisy Domergu. Yeah, we want to hear your side. I mean, because I do want to. I do want to talk about POV because right. a lot of critics have been, you know, saying and, and kind of lamenting that we share the POV early, yeah, and then we get more into Adam Driver's POV. Yeah. We're two white men talking about this, so yes. it's, it's hard to talk about because. Yeah. You know, women have been marginalized in this industry to an extreme over well, the years. And you can kind of see how people felt about Meryl Streep and Kramer versus Kramer even yes. back then. They kind of made a conscious choice of whose side they're taking in that movie a little bit. 
and back then every movie was made about a 40 year old white man yes probably in new york yeah that was oh, like 90 yeah. percent yes. of movies being absolutely. made. absolutely I, so I totally agree with you. Like Bombac, it's a easier sell job, and it's kind of you know servicing his own character, especially yes. being true, to make it a theater director to you know make that clear line in the sand. This right. is where my home base is, L.A. You're a movie person there. There sure. you go. It's harder to explain, right? And a lot of those details, kind of sort of make it feel like he's biased a little bit in yeah. this retelling. You know, I wonder. I want. I wonder what the true story is. But I, I do think I don't have a problem with it. I do think it's honest in a way. That's why I don't have a problem with and, it. And he's being honest, just in the sense that okay, you know what? All I can do is tell you my perspective. Right. And I thought Paul Thomas Anderson was that way with Phantom Thread. And it's just right. like, all right, I can't change everything else. I'm gonna write her character to the best of my understanding right. and let Scarlett Joe and Laura Dern run with it and let them improvise right. and let them crush it. But it's, as far as my understanding goes, this is the best I can do and this is this is authentically mine. And I, I do feel that. So bottom line is I, I do think the POV is authentic, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think if, if you're Noah Baumbach, you're going to speak to what your experience was and obviously you're going to lean on that and i think that he's going to show more he knows more of what he went through versus maybe what the other side of the coin is so if you want to obviously experience it the way that he's going to present it the way that he knows it to be his truth then i think then you have to respect that and and go that way plus you know there are added details as the movie goes on to kind of show you that i think even just flow of the movie wise right. that it was accurate and that i think it it served the movie well it, it's kind of like that irishman argument where it's like that people got up in arms about the anna paquin thing mm -hmm. but on paper you could say like oh maybe that's a good reason to get up in arms but then you watch the movie and you're like Oh no! Uh, her character was played in a certain way, and that's why she didn't speak so much. And her impact with her acting without words is on merit. She's so. probably in my top ten on paper right now, I just know. based on staring. But in this a way is that, why Twitter is in real yeah. life. I'm sorry, right? But it broke my soul in half. I yeah. was just feeling for her so much. Yeah, the way Anna Paquin was staring. But yeah. I do think we're gonna get out of non-spoilers in a second here. But these performances. I do think we're chasing Scarlett Johansson's character as someone who's very ambiguous early on. I think he's chasing it, Adam, Adam Driver, chasing mm. the understanding of her. And right. I think that is honest. So, I mean, it proves your point. I mean, the right. whole the whole uh, you know objective of the script and the pro story problem, quote-unquote story problem, is that Adam Driver's trying to figure out, and that we're trying to figure out as an audience, why we're so mad at Adam Driver. Yes. And why she's so mad at Adam right. Driver. Yeah, I, do you feel mad at Adam Driver? I do, and, I, and upon rewatch, he is such a passive, aggressive dick, and I found myself agreeing with her so much more on rewatch. Interesting. And in, during the first watch, I'm like not understanding her at all. She's all over the place. Like like we started right. in the pre-show today talking about how she's delivering a monologue like she would be delivering a monologue as an actor to her lawyer, trying right. to give her life story to her lawyer, right? Right. And it's it's a performance within the performance, and, and it's incredible I love in my the opinion. In that scene too. Like I mean, people criticize it that she's forcing it, but I feel like she's f forcing it as a 
you know, some as part of her character. Yeah, I mean, we can. Well, the blocking well, in this movie is a, is a star, by the way. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it, it basically, it it's one of those things that if it was done by a hack, this mm-hmm. would feel more like a stage play, and it would turn me off. But the fact that it's Bond back and he's positioned them perfectly in the cinematography, you know, the way things are positioned, the angles that he chooses, the 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 depth of field, and especially in that scene, it's in manipulative, the but it's believable though. Like you believe, it's of necessary. It, yeah, this uh, is that type of story. If it fits the story, I don't care if you're manipulating me. All my collages, you know, promoting these Oscar <laughs> movies right now. It's really hard for me not to include Marriage Story stills because I just thought they were so beautiful from the beginning. Yes. Just like the Harriet stills, gorgeous stills. Yeah. and I think that they marketed this movie on a lot of those money shots. I wish I had a few more in the, in the actual movie from the trailers. Right. I probably had to watch too many trailers because the way we cover things. But I, I w- I've been in- impressed with the cinematography from from the beginning of the film. And by the way, I was also thoroughly impressed with Scarlett Johansson. I don't mm. know why before uh, leading up into watching this movie that everyone was like, eh, she might get Jojo Rabbit, but she definitely <sighs> pro- she's not going to get Marriage Story because this is Adam Driver's movie. Go to hell. Like what, what there are there's so much meat on this bone and she has so many scenes of the movies that I've mm-hmm. seen that people are considered in that category right now. She has way more uh meaty scenes where she has to truly carry large parts of this movie. And Andrew, I, I don't get it. I watched Us the other night again. On yes. H- it's on HBO now. Yeah. And I love Lupita in that. And I love a great horror movie performance. And, and she's only finally getting some recognition. Exactly. And after studying Scarlet Joe a couple times over the last two days, I don't know what to do. I don't know who's yeah. my number one at this point because I'm not in the Renee Zellweger camp right now. She's probably going to get it based on all the predictions, but uh-huh. I'm not there. <laughs> I don't love that movie. Yeah. I did. I thought the mimicry was good. I just didn't think her singing I'm not a big fan of... Like, oh, so you did this decent yeah. uh, imitation yeah. version and you kind of, uh, and you're in not a very good movie. It's kind of like uh, I've heard, uh, mm-hmm. this is going to get slightly off topic. I apologize. That's but like, right. I listen to a lot of Bill Simmons. Like, yes, sports me too. Talk, and we should be he, he hates, hates, <laughs> hates it when the baseball MVP goes to yep. someone like Mike Trout. Because his war numbers were good, but his team sucks. LeBron should win the MVP every year. I've right. said this on yes. Mike, Mike, and Oscar, yeah. and most of the Oscar fans turn yeah. me off it's a, because it's a sports. But analogy. even then, that has to turn into a story. Yeah, right. Right. So what, there's no story here for Scarlett Johansson besides being like finally recognized for a, a career up to this point, kind of a thing. But I mean, she's got the Marvel effect. She does indie stuff. She does everything like. Give this woman the due that she deserves. I find it fascinating, and I'm not saying that Laura Dern's not good in this movie, mm. but I find it fascinating that she's been a conversation. She's been the runaway more than Scarlett Johansson. I totally agree. Now I have respected Laura Dern more upon rewatch. I wasn't as impressed with her on my first watch. I'm like, why is she so lauded for this? You know, Ray Liotta's got yeah. more sass and more personality than she <laughs> does. But I mean, obviously, she's again mm, playing the part she's within a the Viper, part. Though Viper and and, and that is not type i think that dialogue to convey all the little nuances of that dialogue and that lawyer yeah. speak when we get into the spoiler ones she has one scene that i was like that's, that's why that's why and yeah. that's the big scene and yeah. she's gonna get it probably for that scene but it, that, that's a weaker category mike and i, I will continue to talk about it's it the same scene. yeah i'm sure it's gotta be it's gotta be okay 
loved Leota and Alan Alda in this. In terms it's of the ensemble, cast. it's a, it's really deep. Julie Haggerty from Airplane, Merritt Weaver made I me know, laugh I a lot. I haven't seen her in forever. The kid was good. I thought the kid was good. I usually get thrown off if the kid is bad. Yeah, I, uh, I find it interesting that the kid... Uh, I shouldn't say this because it sounds spoilery. So I will say yes, he was very good. Okay. I, I agree. I agree with. Look that at you as catching well. yourself. I know. There. I know. I'm you, trying to be good. I appreciate it. And but we got to get you out of this uh, non-spoiler. Section. I know. I'm. I'm chomping at the bit. So the way but, we usually end those, yeah, is with our Oscar lens, and we kind of wrap up. You know, like how many noms? So I mean, I always reference Scott Feinberg and uh, Clayton Davis. They're friends of our pod. They've come on our show before. Right. Essentially, this movie seems like it's going to get up to like eight or nine nominations. Mm. So Clayton has it sixth for Best Picture, uh, fourth for Director, second for Driver, second for Johansson. Dern is in first. Original mm. scores in third, and editing's in fifth, and cinematography's in eighth. That's contending as well. Feinberg, he's only you know forecasted fifteen categories so far, but he's got five nods out of those fifteen. Right. Do you see this coming back to the pack for Netflix? Because I've liked your Oscar takes on the Nomcast. I oh, liked them you. when we, you know, went back and forth with Parasite there a couple yeah. weeks ago. You had some Roma predictions that proved true. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think this is going to be a, you know, an eight to ten or like a five nom? I feel like it's. I I can definitely agree with the assessment you just laid out. Mm-hmm. Where I think it'll probably land in that like six or. So, so you're gonna uh, cut it down the middle there, something like that, yeah. Where I, and I think of those, I don't think that outside of Driver and Dern mm-hmm. and maybe original screenplay, I feel like he's gonna get overlooked in most other things. And I don't th- see this winning Best Picture, mm-hmm. but I, I wouldn't say it doesn't deserve it. I think this. Can I just say, because you obviously do uh, an Oscar podcast, yeah. this do you feel like this is one of the best years in a long time? Because I do. I, I agree with you, and I got a lot of high grades on this year. I might a lot just of, be getting out of the house more. A lot of A-minus. It's worth it. <laughs> true, true. I, and I think... I think you know a couple movies you know surprised me, and and this ultimately is one of them. If if you you know take it all the way back to the beginning of the year when we were prognosticating, yeah, you know this wasn't on our radar as much as it is now. But once this kind of got the momentum from Venice to to TIFF, and yeah. everybody kind of confirmed like what they were hearing, all the buzz they were hearing, yeah, and now it's basically. You know, it, it's it's forming its own resume. You got the Gotham Awards, you got the Time Magazine, AFI, NBR. By the time you listen to this, you probably already know about Golden Globe Awards right. that it's winning. It was the first runner-up at TIFF for the People's Choice Award. It's going to be there in some way, shape, or form. The question is, does it wind up with the, the essentials, and does Scarlett Joe, who's vulnerable, right. you know, fall off, and does original score not come through? We'll see. I, I think Mike and I are going to have him strong, though. I right. mean, I, I he I, always gets nominated, and never I know, wins, too. I know. I don't. And again, so, but I, I can't claim to who's mm-hmm. going to win. Obviously, I've heard things about 1917 that that might be the overwhelming one for that one. But I would say that he he's got a strong case because this is an emotional movie that he hits mm-hmm. very perfect notes. I, I think the Academy's going to be into this. I think that they're going to 
love the fact that it's a movie about movie people in a way. They know it's a movie about movie people. Even and multiple it's Sondheim yeah, songs. And multiple Sondheim <laughs> songs. That's going to get everyone, right? Yeah. So I, I would tend, I would be on the over, I guess, in terms of six, but I, I think it's going to be there and it's good for the brand it's good for the yeah. netflix original movie brand so yes, i'm happy is. for you all right so we're gonna get into spoilers now let's dance spoilers ahead this is a spoiler warning spoilers spoilers Okay, so this is a spoiler section. This is where you want to be if you've seen the movie already or if you don't mind spoilers. I mean, you know it's called Marriage Story, but you know they get divorced. So I don't know if this movie necessarily is something that you're afraid to get spoiled mm. if you're just a casual listener. I feel like anyone who's seen the trailer and was going into it kind of feels like Maybe there's an outside mm -hmm. chance that there's some kind of reconciliation, maybe. But right. I think the way it's positioned, it it's uh, they're not going to be shocked to hear that the divorce. They're happens. also kind of curious right now if they should show it to their significant other, perhaps, oh, or yeah. if it's safe to watch with their significant other. Right. I'm not going to be able to lend any wisdom to that effect. <laughs> you might be able to as a married man. I, I mean, I will say in where my marriage is at with two young kids mm -hmm. and, you know, being uh, almost a decade in that I would say you skip this one probably. Uh, oh, wow. It, well, in mine, in my, in my relationship personally, I wouldn't say for anyone because there are definitely lessons to be learned here um, that I think if you watch it individually – Take some notes. Be like, oh, <laughs> maybe check yourself a little bit so to kind of be like. So if you're wondering about yourself as a spouse, sure. this is a good movie to watch. It's a good mirror. It's a good mirror. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think I'd get that take. But so watching it together, you, I would say watch it by yourself to know, to learn about yourself. Mm. Watching it with a spouse can turn into, you see that? You do Can that. Can you believe I, she did that? Do you want to hear that? <laughs> In live and in person, no. as you're watching a very emotional movie, absolutely not. <laughs> you can then. What if she's crying at something you're not crying about? Oh, yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah. Okay, so but, people stop here. Yeah. And now <laughs> in the spoiler section, if you don't want yep. that evil brought upon you, yep. And uh, maybe watch this on your own. Otherwise, uh, but I wanted to kind of start where we left off, and that's with the Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. You know, double duet there yeah we have being alive from 1970s company mm. and that followed up scarlett johansson performing you can drive a person crazy from the same musical right johansson performs one driver performs one yeah are you, are you a big broadway guy growing up or i am not me neither uh my wife is huge into musicals okay. this would probably be the aspect that she would love the most um but i will say that it is very effective right incredibly effective and doesn't feel false like a lot of times you're like what why are we why are we doing this musical moment but knowing these people and and feeling these songs in the 
part of the movie that it's in, mm-hmm. I didn't feel that it was a misstep that it, or that it felt like you were uh, taking yourself out of the movie. And these are some deep songs too. I mean, there are a million contradictions within the songs. There's the imagery that I, you know, can't wrap my stupid head around, but I mean, it's basically, <laughs> you know, it won 14 or one, excuse me, it won six Tonys. It was nominated for 14 for a reason. I mean, right. these songs are loaded. Steven Sondheim can write, man. Uh, my, my goodness, that, that driver scene mm. is in, Incredible, and apparently, what? like that song is even more detailed than that. Like you got all, all kinds of people, you know, echoing and singing other things, yeah. kind of like the play. But you're right. Well, not not only is he having kind of like a conversation with himself within the song, yeah, because he's playing almost multiple parts to carry it through. But he's in such an emotional tailspin (laughs) so to speak well it's Uh, like a a series of epiphanies and yet it's 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 lamenting his current situation it's it's looking back at the past fondly and all the things that he was able to experience yeah it's it's a saying a million things literally and figuratively yeah through one little song and i will say i don't know how you feel about adam driver and whether personal thoughts or his acting or anything Mm -hmm. I think he's a heck of an actor. Me too. But I will say that he has the worst haircut I've ever seen <laughs> and also has the voice of Andrew Luck. Uh, or <laughs> yes, he does. Where Bill he Simmons is doing Andrew yes, Luck. Yes, yeah, the, to be Andrew the Giant, uh, as it were, for anyone who listens to Bill Simmons. Right. He does have that very deep curly, you know, this kind of almost he's off-putting like at times. A sex symbol. I mean, he's my age. I don't he's... get that part, but yeah. I don't. I don't see it. I mean, I know yeah. chicks he has like the tall dudes. Man, lawyer haircut. Right. And the, you know. Let's just complain about why Adam Driver's a sex symbol <laughs> for the next forty-five minutes. Hey, well, it's only fair if someone's going to go after Scar Scarjo's right. haircut. Uh, yeah. And then, who are we talking about well, here? Again, this script is being consistent. She yes. has a lousy haircut. She gives yes. him and her son lousy haircuts. Oh, that's totally the person true. I was watching oh, yeah. it with was like, that kid's got to get a, a new haircut. What is that kid? <laughs> Like, what? This is yeah. what you're commenting on? And that's also a very bombback thing if you're watching right. like Squid and the Whale and all these other people. Like, Jesus, these people have the worst haircuts, the worst fashion. <laughs> very, but, very true. But this movie is all about, you know, p- setups and payoffs, like I've been saying. Yeah. The bookends of this film are with the lists that yeah. they make of pleasant things about one another you yeah. have the sondheim songs at the end yeah Th- these this speaks to that other carryover i was talking about earlier of i guess if you're gonna you know have vegetables you have bacon on the vegetables because those are lovely scenes those are yeah. montages with a million cinematic goods i mean yeah. i am just like overwhelmed at the beauty of those scenes at the heart of them yeah i mean the trail the mm. initial two trailers that they put out for this film that are an you know that take from from the opening of this movie it really had such an impact on me from the get and that speaks to your question from earlier about like would i have seen this if it wasn't a netflix original based on those trailers absolutely i mean it it carried such an emotional weight that resonated with me that i definitely wanted to to see this through knowing full well that it might destroy me uh <laughs> so I was, i'm wondering now i mean did this movie get you did did you did you cry did there were two a yeah. couple of moments that really got to me because there's something that even if you are completely comfortable with mm. your marriage or how you are as a father or any of those things 
deep in the back of your mind, you know that there is something that can probably happen because we're all human that your world can be turned upside down in a minute. Yeah. And, and obviously this is what happens to him. I mean, whether we think that Charlie had blinders on or not, or was so self-absorbed or any of those qualities that, you know, are mentioned in this movie, he still got rocked, like unbelievably <laughs> rocked. And, and the worst ones for me as a father and as a, mostly as a father I, the husband stuff some of it didn't really knock me because i guess i'm comfortable with that but mm-hmm. being a father of two young kids and kind of still trying to get my footing and what my children mean to me when when it starts in the halloween scenes oh that second halloween that was a good play by that, her to get him off his pins but, oh my god oh. there are two lines yeah. that if my if my kids said this to me Especially within this process, it would destroy me. We're gonna have to and, stop and hug before this. Is, <laughs> I feel so bad for you. I'm, it might because I, mean, <laughs> I, I. And again, like so, there's the when you get to uh, the car seat uh, right. where he ha- thought he had it set, and all these little moments turn big. When you're in the midst well, he of a said, stressful crisis, that line beside you, all my family's here beside you. Was that it? I, I'm going to get there. Oh. But the the car seat one where it's like he yeah. he doesn't really swear unless he's doing that like competitive moment uh, or anything. This one is him just unraveling. And I was and, t- yeah, I was touched by the fact. Just a quick aside, yeah. Scarlett Johansson doesn't reference the blow up, you know, f bombing his kid. Yeah, she references the, the car, car seat itself. So she's still yeah. like kind of protecting well, him as a dad. And yeah, it's that was just showing irresponsibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, or a lack of an awareness of some sort, or mm-hmm. putting it's child endangerment versus uh, you know just something simple as like letting an f bomb come. But she could have had him like, get the fucking. Car. I mean, if she yeah. told Laura Dern that Laura Dern would have said it right yeah. there on the. She she did protect him. That whole sequence will break you as a human being <laughs> from so you got the car seat. Right. You got the fact that he didn't want to get in the car and has to scream at him to tell him to get in the fucking car. She's playing a game with him. Yes. He's not hugging him. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't want to go. Then once it happens, they start talking about how much, you know, he was looking forward to like, hey, I brought that Halloween costume that we've been talking about for so long. Right. Then tells him I'm gonna wear a store bought ninja costume because a it's more expensive which is just oh horrible to hear uh, when you went through so much of an effort and then try to explain to a kid of that age to kind of be like no but it's really not more expensive because people put their time and effort things that go over the head of a small child and and then from there have to do the two halloweens because he's built a life out here yeah. independent and of he's you. improvising that second halloween obviously which yeah. goes terribly wrong awful i mean if they walked into the you know the jazz club from la la land it would have been a better <laughs> right. time i mean yeah. that's what i recognize but instead he walks landmarks. into like a pink dot convenience store or whatever gets a lighter disaster horrifying but it was a disaster it was set up to be a disaster and him just ringing the bell at that house that where nobody wants to answer the door is just pathetic and awful as as a man i'm watching like scarlett johansson just give it to him and that whole sequence and it's amazing how she's winning so thoroughly there and then you like rewatch the movie and and he's such 
a passive aggressive douche and after you realize mm. all the things that he basically just strung her along about you totally get her modus operandi from the beginning you totally get why she you know gets Laura Dern to literally threaten him with full custody just to get him yeah. to engage in the proceedings because yeah. he hadn't taken her seriously in anything that she wanted to do from the beginning it right. was and he was very selfish in that that regard, and she was dead right about that. I understand both sides. This movie yeah. actually is quite balanced for for the fact that people felt like Driver, you know, quite rightly, kind of takes over a decent amount of the screen time mm-hmm. towards the the like the middle third. But it of is the a confessional kind of switch in a confessional way. He yes. is admitting what an egomaniac he was. He's admitting how he neglected her yeah. in, in many ways. And I, I do think that's honest. Yeah, I, I think so too, especially because like you said, he is a more of a passive aggressive guy that sometimes the, the, the movie, I, I, I put it in my notes that like basically, you know, the, the movie's about humanity, but it's also about communication and process. Right. And what that is, is basically, it's a flawed system, the divorce process, but it does with the stress of it and the kind of chess uh, making things, the aspect of court and, and all the maneuvers that you have to do. It forces you to kind of go, if things get so extreme, it's the, it's the Ray Liotta line, right? <laughs> we start it crazy. You try to get reasonable and they start it crazy. Like you're going to end up still somewhere mostly near crazy. A lot of the things that they could have done pre-lawyers, all the communication, all the things that could have happened either in the marriage or in the mediation or all these things where they could have realized what truly was important to crystallize something. Mm -hmm. And him being probably the person who's going to lag the most behind based on his personality, that is what this movie truly brings about. And that's why you end up having the ending that you do with this movie where there is a bit of a transformation. There is more optimism than I've ever seen Bombeck be ever in a in a end of this movie. And and obviously you're you're seeing, you know, what what's important. So in terms of story structure, what was important literally to the plot was New York versus LA, right? I mean, it's a very much a New York versus LA movie, and that's the ultimate issue. Well, that's a stand-in basically yes, for these of course, two people. For the two people and she wants her life and she wants to recognize that she wants her life. Yeah. And she wants him to recognize that fact and he never did. Right. He wanted her to be a part of his life yeah. in New York and what he built. But as a, a married person and a father, I would say that continuity is very important yeah whether it served him or not is kind of irrelevant but obviously it's going to be relevant to her well, you think about it her learning of his betrayal though there like the fact that he sleeps with as a last straw sleeps yes. with the the uh stage hand or i forget what her role and i want to put play. it out there that i am not pro infidelity but right. i will say that a year of kind of cold to me, yeah. you learned in that argument the big scene that everyone's going to probably talk about in his mm-hmm. shitty apartment that he gets, <laughs> that divorced dad apartment that you just cringe to look at with nothing on the walls, barely any furniture, nothing in the fridge. That is a divorced dad apartment if I've ever seen one. And when they're in there and it gets heated and uh, you know he ends up punching a wall and it gets so emotional that 
it shows you he brings about that they hadn't been together in a year Hmm. and that it shows that basically they've been divorced before they separated before divorced. divorce exactly right like that basically they they were a cold lifeless marriage for longer than this movie portrays because we start on such an optimistic note with the reading of all those things and all the montages of what was the best of their marriage isn't that a fascinating way to tell this story too like you have new york and la as you you said it a stand-in for what ultimately is us wondering at the beginning of the movie because we start with such happy this is what i love about this person you fall in love with them both you do and and that's good screenwriting fundamentals and you set up your movie show your main characters show them at their their best or their at least their most willful and you have this this attachment to them immediately, right? And then it's such a jarring jump to Act Two yeah. when they're standing apart at the subway, and you're wondering why are right. they sta- why are they so cold to each other? We don't get it. Okay, obviously the clue she's jealous of the other woman, but that's too cliched for this movie. Sure, it's too yeah. deep for that. Yeah. And then we get an Act Two where we're where they're very cordial to one another. Early on, where she is showing emotion early on, where she does this performance for her lawyer early on, right. where he's playing dumb early on, where you realize he's he is playing dumb. He does mm. have this agenda where he's not trying to go into this in in the hopes that they can mend, mend fences in a way, right? Yeah, I, I've definitely, not in my own marriage, but I've definitely been in relationships where... You feel like everything's okay, but mm-hmm. deep down, you know, n- nothing's okay. I'm always at that feeling in my relationships <laughs> in general. Yeah. <laughs> Even with my dogs now, which I pour all my love into, because again, I'm not just single, I'm singular. I want a new classification. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Married to Mike, probably. Mike and I are I was, common I was looking forward to talking to both of you and describing <laughs> you as my favorite common law married podcast. We would have yeah. been interviewing you, try, hoping to get like real wisdom from you. You would have right. wound up just mediating between the two of us. I'm which sure. I was also <laughs> looking forward to, uh, where I was hoping we would take pictures of like you two yeah. on my couch and me on the other side just, just reenacting like, the movie yeah yeah totally just not looking at each other just kind of staring at your paper you're doing the robert smigel thing yeah, yeah. uh it would have been a, it another good performance by the way robert smigel's good in everything i, I totally Alan, all this perfect like every every drop of that cast is so, the so good alan alda character i mean in terms of foils he's the mentor character for adam driver and he lays yeah. it out like it is and obviously laura dern is the mentor character for scarlett johansson and the, the fact that they both get mentors is, is, is equitable for a script but yes we have them being honest about what they should what you know we're, we're in your corner in terms of Mike and I's relationship, you know, sometimes he'll go into lawyer mode in a way. Yeah. And he t- he talks like that in a way to frame an argument sometimes. And right. It's not an argument between me or him. Maybe it's just posturing. We just got into this on Frozen 2, of all things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just got into it on Frozen 2. And I understand Mike one more now after watching these lawyers talk behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. This is a movie with real wisdom and, and real uh, learned you know, in terms of communication skills, yeah. learned communication skills, and you get those communication skills, like you mentioned earlier, from all of the metaphors we're getting through the art, 
from the oblique dialogue that he's doing Meyerowitz stories style, right? Yeah. And you you got the, that comedy that's the same kind of comedy yeah. you had in that last movie that was more of a comedy than this one. And then you have electric, you know, Mike Nichols stuff yeah. in the apartment. Yeah. I, I, the more I watched this movie, the more impressed I became with it. And I know we mentioned a lot of the best scenes. I, I wanted to open it up for, you know, for a few more for sure. you. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, the Halloween scene, I think, is when it breaks. One thing that I definitely, on rewatch, mm-hmm. or at least maybe as you're watching it deeper into the movie, I, I love how little things become big things when the temperature turns up, when the right. stress turns up. Like, even the infidelity seems kind of below the surface well, you're, you're early, totally right. and then it, looks it becomes like a huge deal. Simple jealousy, and then, of course, but it my, is it is that quote-unquote middle of act two yeah. explosion. But I think the most subtle one that I was very impressed with was the MacArthur Grant, where mm. you're having a scene where she's going to serve him with divorce papers. You're in that kitchen. He's happy. She's happy for him. He's saying kind, reflective things like, we did this together, kind of like this, you know, you're my muse. Mm-hmm. I'm the director. Like, yes, they're giving it to me, but this is a co-shared thing. And that's one of those things that you say in like a moment of joy yeah. and then is immediately pivoted later as, well, you kind of owe her some of that money. You yourself said... This is kind of a thing. And he and did. You son of a bitch. It is one of the worst things about lawyers, but it is such a move and such a move where this turns in the movie that it's just, it's cold, it, but it's it, so well done. And it's so necessary for the lawyers to say and to yeah. frame it in, in, in that way. But it's also, you're right, he sets up each one of those moments in the courtroom. He yeah. sets up each one of those anecdotes when 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 she oh you want to go oh here's yeah. four stories four scenes that you've seen previously right. that you know there's more too and that you felt the reasons why and, yeah. and, and sometimes it's their flaws and their innocent flaws right and here we're bringing them relitigating them it, what should have just been a simple all right here as a team we fix it and right where they you know fixed one another throughout their marriage and why they made such a good team right now all their weaknesses are just on full display because yeah. they're no longer quote unquote a team yeah and to go back a second to that scene where he gets served i mean that's a screenwriting trope if there ever was one where at their highest point bring them to their lowest i mean oh, here he yeah. is reunion with your family is my family yeah reunion with mom from airplane there Judy yes. Haggerty. Re- i mean a, a, a wonderful scene with merritt weaver it's funny too right like, that british accent is not a british accent but no, it's hysterical no. that it's not yeah one. Then, but it's a fun moment to have them play with that and he's yeah and he's doing this the acting through eating which is something else i mean eating yeah. the rotisserie chicken there and ogling the pie yeah and it is so much worse her holding that pie right yeah and and obviously speaking to my point from earlier you need to see these relationships with driver yeah. and her family because later there's a scene where you know Scarlett Johansson basically says like they're on the porch and like everyone's mad at you she lays that out which kind of turns into bullshit mm. after the fact but the fact that that's even a conversation for someone who had such a tight fun relationship with his in-laws 
and then to when they're in the midst of the really heavy heavy like get out of my face that is divorce that is and and it's also like the deception too because you find that later to be kind of false but it's when such, he's talking to the mother again it's such a loaded conflict though isn't it yeah. because in trying to push him here and in yeah. trying to rattle his cage yeah she's actually helping him because according to laura dern's phone call before he went out there they could have just screwed him over. Yeah, they could literally could have fucked him over. They yeah. could have they could have waited a couple more days. He was just you know delaying, 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 yeah. and they could have filed those things that she said they could file. Yeah, and that would be that. Yeah, he, they would have full custody. They would have you know whatever they wanted. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna have to ask Mike maybe an Oscar Sprint profile <laughs> if that's a thing actually. But right. as a lawyer, but I, I according to the rules of the script and the rules of the world, they could have had it. And she, so. All of this, all those nasty things she's doing to him, and she likes doing them to him. Yeah. She needs it. It's therapeutic for her yeah. to try, try and make him understand why this is all happening. Right. Which could have come out in mediation. Right. Or could have come out in simple but marriage it's, communication. It's still kind of for his benefit because what she wants is still somewhat considerate of him. Yeah. And she knows that he can be successful in LA. Yeah. And she knows and and ultimately that's what happens. But isn't it something that for something that becomes so big and becomes so bitter? Mm-hmm. Isn't it so fascinating that there's a line in this movie where Scarlett Johansson says basically like if he was just happy for me, right, with the pilot and supported me and came out even just for a little while, they'd probably still be married. Yeah. Isn't that like the, again, the sliding doors moments that happen in the little things that happen in a relationship that mean so little to someone and mean so much to another. And, 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 but that's how these things add up. And I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I've, I've definitely had enough failed relationships before my marriage that it you know you just brought a wave of things that's actually (laughs) something i can relate to when when it went wrong with each girl and Uh uh-huh most of them had the same name my friends will recognize that right now i had a few in a row that were named i I don't know why this happened i have issues i have issues andrew i have a type so like whether it be the same name is not a thing but uh definitely uh, like i've had friends of mine go wait isn't it the girl you were dating no 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 it's it's a different one. <laughs> I, sometimes I just let them believe it was the same one. <laughs> but anyway, I, no, no, I totally agree with it. Yeah. I actually relate to something there. Uh, but you're right to talk about that Halloween, that second Halloween, as an excruciatingly wonderful scene. And it ends it's the with first a crescendo. Thing that hurts. The yeah, whole that, sequence. That's the mid act two point. It's a game I'm playing with myself realization that yes. she has and she's kicking and throwing it. I mean, or whatever she said to him on the phone is a great line or corroborate this or whatever it was. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. And it was a great line to finish that scene. I love the structure of highs and lows in this. I just remember a sequence where, I mean, they're at a low point, and then next thing you know, she's doing favors. For him, after he does a favor for her, he yeah. comes over and, and you know fixes her power outage, yeah. and then she gives him a haircut. Yeah, and it's sweet, right? It is. And next thing you know, you're dealing with court or, or whatever the next low scene that they they and and, and the well, lows get worse and the kindnesses get less, right? Yes, but I will say it's like an if inverse you want ratio. The perfect example: mm. uh, the extreme highs and lows. Think of the apartment scene when he's punching the wall and they're getting into the biggest thing. He basically says, I 
have moments where I wish you would be dead. Right. And then it turns into him on his knees sobbing and her rubbing his back kind of in a in a, a if that was the case, if I was in that argument, as soon as she's touching me, I'm swatting that hand away. I'm very intrigued right. about how they truly feel each, about each other to kind of still. You can say the, I think we hurt the ones we love mm-hmm. way more than the people we actually hate because we know where the vulnerability is. We we feel it worse. So that scene is so intense but so realistic. And yet, at the end of it, it's still touching i I Uh, wanted to ask you about that that's fascinating to learn because i probably get out of relationships you know x (laughs) amount of years before it ever got to that point yeah never lost my shit that bad with anybody (laughs) right maybe maybe with mike actually i don't know that's coming up now yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's fucked up but we (laughs) we i don't relate to that i don't get like i'm watching that scene i was like is this really where people get to well especially considering where they are in the yeah. story too i mean so and it the is process like it i makes mean sense. yikes and again think of how far things would have had to get mm-hmm. for adam driver a passive aggressive type to get to that that's divorce especially the kid is the worst part i i feel like if this movie mm-hmm. was just the two of them just trying to solve a divorce kids make things light years more complicated it can't be kramer versus kramer without the other kramer yes it had you have to have the third the third yeah. party and, and for how interesting it is that they kind of they don't sideline the kid but it's not about the kid right as opposed to a lot of other divorce movies where they kind of profile the kid more this one it's kind of like him swinging from side to side the the natural volley of divorce kind of putting him in in certain positions to really twist a knife somewhere or just kind of be an object for them to fight over but this you know it's it they you don't get to know henry very well all you know is that he might be a little happier in certain in spots LA. he might be right. going through a mommy face i mean she might be telling the truth in that scene yeah or totally... you know i mean how many times you huh. you know as a as a a kid especially a boy yeah you know with their father how many times do you go through where it's like you know I'm you're in on. my way it makes sense you know the the coming of age stuff so there's that too so the power of this movie it, it relies in that act two climax those back-to-back scenes in a way yeah but it does drive it home in the third act but i mean everything faded away for me the that first watch yeah you know the whole world faded away from courtroom to apartment, yeah, those back-to-back scenes. I, I haven't seen something that explosive, you know, since the favorite, since Phantom Thread. I mean, those are, and obviously Mike Nichols. I mean, sure, you, you you can count on you know more than two hands the number of movies that have done this, but this movie does this, and that's rare. Yeah, I think that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I mean, God, there are so many scenes and so many things that broke me, and I mean, there's. Especially, uh, I think you mentioned one before. I was trying to remember the line, but I, there are definitely a couple ones. Like right after that Halloween one, mm-hmm. when he's talking to Alan Alda, and he says, "Maybe he'll go to college on the East Coast." Brutal. So you're like just seeing in Adam Driver's face his son go from eight to eighteen. But don't you think Alan Alda's and losing that? Yeah. 
But don't you think Alan Alda's trying to mentor him there? Say, hey, you can come out here. Because he, he's shaking his head. Like, yeah. And he loves it there in California. Yeah, and, yeah. But I, the I think, space, Mike. The space. I think Alan Alda's trying to get his ass up there. You can make a living here. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. And that's what, where the movie well, and you under you end up learning about uh, how he had like a Geffen residency mm-hmm. that he could have done for a year and all these things to where they could have made that work. And in the reality of it, Noah Baumbach probably is better off in L.A. as a yeah. film director <laughs> than he was as a film director in New York. With yeah, Independence sure. Summer. Say that to Woody. <laughs> Allen too while you're at it um there are definitely people who and i've seen this uh in comedy too where people fit the mold of new york versus la it's not even just the comedy difference it's also the personality difference and what you can tolerate or what you feed off of and i think you know bombac is 100 percent loves being like that new york director right. of now and he, like you saw uh what his speeches mm-hmm. at the uh, the Gotham Awards. Or yep. Gotham Awards, yep. excuse me. He is proud of being like that New York director that everyone looks to. Before his kid. In, in the post-Spike yeah. Lee, Woody Allen era. Before his kid, he went to L.A. And he yeah. he, he he actually you know made the switch and he well, made it work and it helped his career. Ultimately. And what is it, Greenberg? And there's is yeah. there another movie the, too where they kind of pull true. the when you're in L.A. and you're missing New York like – that that kind of thing that he, he clearly he went made through. a couple of L.A. movies. They're not his best movies. No, yeah, Greenberg obviously was not my favorite. Right, but uh, he he definitely was able to make a living down there. Uh, I would agree with you. Some some filmmakers are better in New York. They they fit New York. Safety yeah. brothers don't go to L.A. Safety brothers. No. Yeah, uh, but it, you know that scene is brought to a fever pitch with the fake joke. Right, I'm sorry, Bert. Yes. Am I paying for this joke? My God, I mean it just yeah. It's it's the essential moment. I love that thing. scene for how it starts and how it ends. The, it starts with <laughs> Alan Alda saying, "If I was representing you, it's like you are representing me." I love it. So it's such a quick com- comedic line that right. breaks the tension that's going on. But then it also ends the way. So I, I think that's a perfect way to talk about worse scenes because they're not necessarily bad in the sense that they're poor filmmaking. Mm but they're excruciating to watch. Like the yeah. scene where he's being observed, you know, having oh, dinner with his kid. I love, I, what's her name? God. So well done. She's in Baskets, which okay. is one of my favorite shows, especially on FX. Uh, it's so funny. Zach Galifianakis' Zach show. Oh my God, she's perfect. And she's like that in the show, like this very understated kind right. of like, wallflower well, so to speak about her but job deadpan, right it's perfect but if you think about her job i mean she is trying to, to get a glimpse of of him right yes. she doesn't want to antagonize him to the point where he's gonna blow up yeah but she wants to get a read on if he's antagonizable yes. right and if and he if he might blow up or yeah. what's going on she's, she's trying to walk on eggshells but she's also trying to poke the bear a little bit right I mean, that's her job to to figure that out. Yeah. She's got to read between the lines because she knows people are putting on their best behavior for that for her. Yeah, and obviously uh, that that scene it's hard to deal with too. Where the fact that you know how it ends in literally such agony—the uh, most awkward thing ever but I've seen this year. Also, relatively comedic as well. The way it ends, and and to be honest, yeah, one of many attributes of Driver, which is why I think he's to me the best performance of the year i've seen so far okay is 
that he can go. I'm glad Mike One's not here right now because he'd be upset with you. Okay. <laughs> totally fair. He's all Leo. Yeah. Oh, listen, okay. I love Leo. Okay. And, and I'm not saying that Once Upon a Time is a lesser movie than this. I'm just saying. You're with Driver right now. What, what Driver does mm-hmm. in this movie from going from being this kind of uptight, passive-aggressive guy. He does things, intense arguments. He could be subtle where things with his eyes that he does better than a lot of people. He'll do physical uh, stuff in a scene like this where he's being funny yet athletic and 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 what, it's such a well-shot scene too in terms of the positioning of the rooms and, and the how blocking, he has to go. You're right. The, the blocking, blocking is incredible. <laughs> And great blocking, but and, and then he could do something like that, and then cap it all off by being able to carry a tune with not only the an emotional weight, but kind of almost doing a scene onto himself with multiple parts within a song that carries this emotional weight for the movie. It's so many things, and he doesn't drop an ounce of it. So, to me, that's why he's probably the best performance I've seen this year. Strong words, and uh, I think I'm going to have to rewatch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soon. And I'm yeah. almost to the point where, and I'm glad that it's on Netflix. Yeah. Because I can watch Marriage Story and, and The Irishman, but I'm going to have to yeah. watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again soon. I'm going to have to just compare and contrast. Joker yeah. will come out. They just announced those dates. It's coming up in a, pretty soon before yeah. the Oscars, I believe. And Joaquin, I, I kind of studied him as well, but I don't know how it's going to shake out. I don't know who that fifth spot's going to go to, if it's Price or Eddie or... Yeah, Two Popes is definitely going to be uh, a tipping point, so mm-hmm. we'll have to see. I mean, Two Popes is something that's definitely catnip to the Golden Globe, so I'm interested. Obviously, this is going to air after, so I'm interested to see where that lands, especially because they could slide in with being in the comedy category. I don't know if they did or not. Oh, I forget now. I also heard that I think they tried to get this movie in as the in the comedy musical section. I was like, that is hysterical. I but there's to... usually one of those there's at least one or two of those Golden Globe ones and the comedy musical ones that you go, Really? The really? Martian that slid the through. Martian's that yeah, funny? Exactly. It was funny, but it wasn't one hundred percent. So the way we end these spoiler sections is we give a uh, final thoughts, final grade. Uh, we do it from F minus to A plus. We throw a number grade on there. You were telling me before that they're, they're, the numbers are fascinating to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I find it hysterical that you guys get so precise, like uh, like you're almost knocking off points as you're watching a movie it's and we'll argue with each other by yeah. like a point like i'll be mad at him or he'll be mad at me or usually it's me mad at him right, right. if my you know if i have a four point right. instead of that three point curve that yeah, we yeah. usually have that differential <laughs> there but right. uh so i'll start i'm an a minus 90 i was on the verge of giving it a b plus 89 today but I, you know the rewatches just helped it i think it's it's something that may continue to add points for me throughout award season as I rewatch this thing because I right. do think, you know, repeat viewings. You know, it's just you, you you analyze the craft, you analyze the screenplay. It's really strong. Yeah, I mean, I came into the podcast thinking like eighty nine, like a like the highest B plus. We talked you up though. Like, it happens. I know. Doesn't well, it? I, I tell you, yeah, because you grow for an appreciation. I feel like the only thing that would knock me down is unfair mm-hmm. uh two ways number one comparing it against like if i think movies that i think are 
maybe better than them this year and where I put them personally in my head. Makes sense. That, you know, it has to be below that, right? Mike's it, parasite problem here, yeah, Mike. <laughs> yeah. And and then uh, the whole fact of this movie's rewatchability, uh, you know, it doesn't have a whole lot as mm -hmm. opposed to if you're comparing it against a Once Upon a Time or even an Irishman, like and or even Parasite, you're definitely gonna think to watch those or be craving to watch those more. So, and I haven't done more than the one watch, so I would say hold me accountable <laughs> if later I'm like, this movie's a masterpiece. What the hell was I thinking? Okay, but it happens sometimes but too. It does like, happen. The Phantom Thread did that to me in the in the favorite. I kept adding points last mm. year for the favorite, and I just got obsessed with those two movies. The yeah. uh, Three Billboards was another. I watched this movie too many times. And the Irishman. The yeah. Irishman, I, I watched five times. I watched it once a day. It was my like, yeah. it was my sanctuary during Thanksgiving break or whatever. Right. It was yeah. just like I went back to it every day. It was, I think I was it was for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Netflix. These these prestige movies, these Oscar award winning, these conversation pieces being on a platform that you can watch it whenever the heck you want. Perfect. It matters, doesn't it? And it, it does. And I know you were saying maybe this is not the movie that draws the repeat viewings from everybody. Right. But the fact that there is a movie like this on Netflix and you know that it's coming, right? Yeah. Makes you subscribe to Netflix, wasn't well, it? Wouldn't it? I'll tell you why everyone should bow to the altar of Netflix. <laughs> okay. And for how much talk of, you know, you know, are they killing the industry? Preach. This movie is an $18 million mid-range courtroom drama mm -hmm. that if he pitched this to, I don't know, anyone above A24 neon level, this movie's not getting made, anybody. And A24 is not putting up $18 million no. for it. Annapurna maybe a couple years ago, but the, that we all see the streaming how that services, yeah. and especially Netflix, yeah. are finding the movies that nobody makes anymore that people still want to see. It's a definitive and strategy. puts it out. I mean, they, they do it the best probably with their romantic comedies. They hit that perfectly where they, they're like, nobody makes these anymore. True. Why does nobody make them anymore? And then they made a truckload of them and they got talked about forever they got mm. so many legs even on the bad ones they mm -hmm. were getting legs this movie's a pristine prestige movie that is drama at its finest and gets to be seen by a global audience that may have not seen a movie like this in a long time that probably wouldn't have unless it got nominated for 10 oscars yeah and it had that part of you know its campaign and that yeah. the, the, that long wide release that long platform release. And I this should say. isn't the only one, and I think that's why people need to recognize that Netflix is doing something bigger mm -hmm. than Stranger Things or you know some bigger ticketed thing that gets people to go there. I, for me, why I even started my podcast, mm -hmm. the Nomcast, uh, the Netflix original movie <laughs> podcast. Um, is that they started to dip in these waters and I wanted to see where this played out. Now, whether it carries into 2020 and beyond, we'll see. But for right now, I say appreciate it while it's here. But they did do like the Game On thing. You know, Game On, all of those other streaming services who shall not be named for at least this episode <laughs> sure. out of respect for you. Yeah. Game on. Let's go. It's war. If yeah. These are the streaming wars we have uh, you know, weaponed up for now yeah. with a major Oscar slate and the two popes is next and yeah. 
you know, listen to the Netflix original movies but you podcast. One, Mike. Six Underground, <laughs> Michael Bay's movie is coming I out next. See that. Mike and, is, makes fun of me for wanting to see that. I do want to see. Who it. doesn't want to see? It's catnip. It's like <laughs> a bad boys level crazy stuff, and the, we'll see. All the greens in that. I mean, yeah. the green dress, the green car. Yeah. I mean, you don't see greens like that every day. Plus, I'm 37. I was a 90s <laughs> alternative rock kid, and you're putting a sneaker pimps re- reference into your song. Excellent. I'm all about it. So that is tailor made for <laughs> us. As mid thirties, yes, uh, alternative, alter, all yeah, rock, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. thank you, yeah, yeah, yeah. my God, I'm in. <laughs> all right, this was fun, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Ah, uh, thanks so much, man. I had a blast. 